You are listening to the Converge Media Network, uplifting our voices. What's up, y'all? This is Jules Jesse with Clapback Culture, and I will be accompanied by my co-host, Mike Davis. Oh, here he is. What's up, Mike? Hey, what's up, Julia? Nothing much. Hanging in there. Nice to see you, brother. Nice to see you, too. It's been quite the week, y'all. Man, (laughs) y'all already know where we're going to take this, man. Y'all know. So just bear with us. We're going to get there. Listen, oh, look, clap at culture back in Facebook jail again. Oh, man, somebody, somebody's back in Facebook jail. Um, well, look, Mike, we are getting a little feedback. I can hear myself over there, so I don't know if we can adjust that. We'll adjust those settings. But y'all, listen, until we get that done, let's go ahead and talk about Joe Biden, President Joe Biden. He is trying to do something about gas prices. I don't know if he's like but President Joe Biden, he announced today, you guys, that there he announced an unprecedented release of oil from the U.S. reserves and several steps his administration is going to take to punish oil companies for not increasing production from unused leases on federal land. These steps basically are an attempt to reduce the gas prices while putting an onus on um, oil companies to increase the supply. Uh, it's a drastic step. I don't know what's going to happen. And, you know, it's happening right before the midterm. So they absolutely need to do something. Uh, but officials have declined to say how quickly this turnaround time is going to happen or by how much the gas prices are going to go down um, as a result of the release. Let me tell you something, you guys. I am back in office and it cost me $5 a gallon to put in my truck. That's $120 for a full tank, okay? And that means I absolutely cannot go either. With that being said, it's just just absolutely ridiculous in terms of like figuring out how to continue to be a commuter. You know what I'm saying? Oh, that sounds good, you guys. Whatever they're doing over there. you Listen, I I don't even care about technical difficulties. You guys are family, so we just gonna bear with it and just have a conversation. But I don't know if any of you guys are back in office, but I am. And this is literally the conversation that everybody's having is that, you know, commuters, it's costing us more money to go to work than it than it was when we were home during the pandemic. You talk about a stimulus check. I need my stimulus check now, baby, because one hundred and twenty dollars a week on gas plus parking like is giving way too much. So I'm hoping that this uh, fuel reduction and these prices continue to that something goes down because right now it's unsustainable. I know that the and I have a legitimate like a really good career. You know what I'm saying? And most of my money is being spent trying to actually go to work. I just think it's ridiculous that we all have to go back in office. President Joe Biden is pushing for the American people to go back in office. It's just, uh, it just feels so old school. Like, 
I don't want I don't want to interface in an office. Like I am so much happier sitting in my beautiful yellow chair with all of my windows so I can have my my nice lighting and my natural light coming into the room and I can pop in a load of laundry while I'm sending my emails. I mean it just it makes the work environment so much better. So I am um, really disappointed that I have to travel and commute downtown. I have to get up early and then leave early and prep all my meals and all this other stuff. It's just, it's a lot of work. Are you guys like, how are you feeling about that? Is anybody like feeling this? I mean, we know you the Tesla guy, so we know you ain't hurting. (laughs) But I mean, but I think you're right. And it's not just Biden that's trying to force people to go back to work. I mean, it's, it's also mayors that we're seeing in cities. I mean, right here in Seattle, especially our mayor and the go back to work thing, you're right. It feels old. It feels antiquated. But in cities like Seattle, the economy downtown is a boost for the economy of the city as a whole. So the idea was by bringing people back to work, by revitalizing these downtown urban areas, um, it was supposed to boost the economy. The problem that we're seeing right now is what you're saying. When gas prices being sky high, people aren't going to come downtown and spend extra money. If you're paying an arm and a leg just to get to work, uh, you work downtown and then you got to pay to park once you get there. People aren't going to just walk around and spend all this money. So the Biden administration is going to have to do something to address these gas prices or else I mean, bringing people back to work, it's not going to work out the way that they think it is as far as boosting our economy. Facts. And so something got to give because I need a good stimmy. Give me another stimmy and I might not be feeling this way. Um, Listen, you guys, this next story is so tragic. Actually, our next two stories are pretty tragic. Oh, wait a minute. Before we go to that, let me talk about a little softer subject. And this is not that soft, but you guys, a former Yale, a former uh, Yale School of Medicine employee stole more than $40 million in electronics and bought luxury cars, homes, and went traveling, you guys. Her name is Jamie Petron. She's 42, and she was most recently the department's director of finance and and administration. You guys are not going to believe this. So allegedly the fraud scheme was happening for the last eight years and Yale lost over $40 million. So this is how she did it. She would order, uh, or she would order a half staff members order um, millions of dollars worth of electronic hardware, but she would break it up into batches of $10,000 or less of like, uh, Microsoft Surface Pros, iPads, tablets, a bunch of like electronic equipment. And then she would arrange to have the hardware shipped out of state to her business in New York, which then she would resell the goods. I mean, that's a hell of a scheme. So the business then wired the money into an account for a company called Maziv Entertainment LLC, which she is the principal owner. Uh, it's estimated that 90% of her computer-related purchases were fraudulent. She agreed to forfeit $560,000 from a bank account and canned over six different cars. I mean, this is wire fraud. She's released on bail, and you guys know why I feel some type of way about that, because why the hell didn't Rodney get bail or any of his co-defendants, but you get this Yale school employee who got out on bail and she's facing the same exact crime 
for a, a, a prison term up to 20 years. So, baby, they better throw the book at her. And she hasn't paid taxes since 2016. So now she's being charged with tax evasion. That's messy, super messy boots, y'all. Oh yeah, she's about to get cooked. But eight years? She got away with this for eight years? Yeah. And Marty, how do you saying? How do you spend forty million and only got to give back five hundred thousand? What happened? What happened to the other thirty nine million? I mean, I'm saying I don't know. It's crazy. It's just so crazy to me. I, this is a really dope fraud scheme, though, honestly. Like, she was keeping her stuff under the radar. She was like, nah, let me make sure I keep it under 10000 or less because as the uh, the director of finance, she didn't have to have anybody have oversight for transactions below $10,000. So this is what happens, Mike, when you get too greedy. You know what I'm saying? She should have did this, got her, you know what I'm saying, got it off did her thing and just got up out of there. But that's what happened. Yeah. You go too long. Man. Years ago, she could have stopped years ago. And man, what's, she did all this just to buy cars. That's what this was about. That's that's the wild thing too, man. You stole 40 million. You didn't plan retirement. You're out here trying to ride clean. You, you're buying cars and Gucci. Man, this lady's crazy, man. Let let Mike Davis get some fraud, man. I'm going to have a whole family on a beach in another country. They ain't going to never see us again. I ain't going to be. Who steals $40 million and is still going to work every day, man? She deserves to get caught. Yeah, well, she got caught, and she's about to have to sit down and do some time. So we'll see. I mean, if she cheats. Them taxes, they're not playing. I mean, I don't I honestly don't think she's going to get a lot of time. You know, her lawyers are talking about uh, she took responsibility, blah, blah, blah. But y'all, that's one hell of a fraud scheme. I'm going to let y'all know what happens in, in this case, because, again, it's actually home for me, because if she were a black man, a black male and got away and, and they did it with a loss amount of something far less, like not even in the millions, they're getting 10 years. She's getting 10 months. Yeah, yeah, they got cooked. You already know. All right, y'all. This is such a tragic story, but I had to bring this to you guys. I heard about this over the weekend and I just could not. Oh, my God. My heart broke. So there's two cousins, you guys, 12 and 14, and they killed themselves while playing with a gun on Instagram live. This is an actual picture of them on live. If you notice, the little girl has she's 14, I believe. She has the gun with a drum. That is a drum at the bottom of it. And her and her cousin are playing around with the gun like they're doing like a rap video. Y'all, the gun goes off. She accidentally, the gun goes off and it accidentally kills the little boy first. And she falls and then the gun goes off again and kills her. She's at home or she's at a relative's house. They're celebrating um, all of the March birthdays. So it's tons of family that's all there. It's two o'clock in the morning. So everybody's just kind of probably, you know, you know what's going on. They're 12 and 14 years old. They don't need a babysitter. So they're they're in there doing whatever they're doing. How they got the gun, we don't know. Um, but the mother, the, the, the cousin, the way that they're related is that their parents are brother and sister. So this is just tragic and absolutely heartbreaking. Um, 
The victims were located inside the residence suffering from puncture wounds, according to the article, and according to belief, they were both pronounced dead at the scene. Uh, police classified the incident as a murder-suicide because they're alleging that the little girl shot her cousin by accident and then committed suicide. I did see a little bit of the tape, and I didn't get that. The mother is basically coming back to clarify to say that she said the kids were making a video on Instagram Live in which Paris, her daughter, was playing with the gun, but it went off and hit Karan, the ne her nephew. Paris dropped the gun and it fell and it went off, to my knowledge, because the mom didn't watch the video, according to the video that I saw. Um, but then she says that Paris picked up the gun by the barrel, by the barrel of the gun, and it went off. That's all I know. It was not a suicide. It was just a freak accident. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a tragedy. That's a tragedy, man. That's two kids. Two kids lost their lives on live. I mean, we got to lock up the guns. That, that's really what it comes down to. You know, whenever there's kids around, the guns are not safe being up. You, you got to lock them up. You never know what could happen. They were stunned, trying to flex on Instagram, and, and it's tragic, man. This is sad. You put this on there, and I've seen this, and it's just so sad. It's I can't imagine with those parents, man, what those parents is going through, man, the cousins, they just, man, two kids in the same family gone. Ugh. There's nothing even to say. Like, I don't know why the hell they got a gun with a drum, but, you know, this also is like, I, I mean, they're on Instagram live. You know what I'm saying? Like the fact that, I mean, but that's what kids is doing though. Like I, I thought that at first too, but the, I mean, th this is the day and age. This is what kids are doing. They're gonna emulate what they see. And I'm not gonna attack rap. I'm not gonna attack culture. This is a tragedy. People are allowed to have guns, but you just gotta be more responsible. You, you have to be safer with them. And if you're bringing a gun to the family function, you gotta lock it up when you get there. I mean. Period, period. Have your guns if that's what you got to do, but you got to be safe because at the end of the day, if the babies get a hold of the guns, things like this can happen. And it's an accident. It's just a really, really tragic accident. Yeah, I mean, this, I mean, but the gun has a drum on it. So it's not like this ain't no shit. I mean, somebody, somebody's about that action. <laughs> Somebody in the family Clearly. is about that action. Somebody's yes. super about the action. But, and but, all the family members, I mean, walk, like they walked in and were like, oh my God, like this whole, I mean, it's just, listen, you guys, look it up, um, you know, read the articles. It's a heartbreaking story. There's just nothing more we could really say, but just, this and honestly, Mike, this happens more often than, you know, like I when I was looking through this and doing some research, I found several YouTube videos. You guys where kids under the age of 16 were on social media going live, playing with guns and accidentally killed themselves, you know, because they're doing all this and doing all this and they don't know what they're doing. And it misfires. You know what I'm saying? And they accidentally yeah. hit yourself in the head. So this is I, I will say, though. Man, I, I can't drop a link right now, y'all, but feel free to reach out. I, I know a company, a Black-owned company that sells gun safes. I got my gun safe from a Black man that runs a company. So if you're out there, you've got guns in the house, you need somewhere to lock it up, and you want to support Black business, I'll try to get that link, and, and maybe I'll have it up here next week for sure. 
Yeah. I mean, it, this is just such a freak accident. Like there's just those kids and they didn't. And I also agree with the mother. I don't believe that the daughter killed herself uh, based on the video that I could see a little bit, the clip, obviously because they snatched it. You can see that the little girl falls and then it's like she it's like the gun goes off again while she's sitting on the floor in the bathroom. So this is very, very, very sad that two parents have to bury their kids. Another sad story, but we have to talk about it, you guys. I'm sorry I'm bringing gloom and doom, but there is a 14-year-old boy, you guys, uh, that died after falling from a ride at an Orlando theme park. We have a quick clip. We're going to play that. We'll come back and talk about it. Morning. The Orlando Free Fall at Icon Park opened in December 2021, and it takes up to 30 guests high into the air before plummeting 400 feet towards the ground. That ride Thursday night ending tragically for one teenager. And a warning this morning, these images we're about to show you are disturbing. 435 miles per hour. A thrill-seeking ride at a Florida amusement park ending in tragedy after a 14-year-old boy suffered a deadly fall Thursday at Icon Park in Orlando. A video appears to show the ride with passengers discussing seatbelts with the crew. Why don't you have like the little clip clip, like the seatbelt? Yeah. And again after the ride begins. Hey, you take the seatbelt or left side? As the ride plummets toward the ground, the teenager can be seen falling. The Orange County Sheriff's Department later confirming that a 14-year-old boy was taken to the hospital where he died from his injuries. After the accident, crew members gathering. A ride spokesperson saying the teenager was in a safety harness. That's what we know at this time. So again, we operate the ride with uh, all the safety precautions in mind. According to its website, Orlando Freefall stands at 430 feet, making it the world's tallest freestanding drop tower. The ride can accommodate 30 riders when loaded to capacity. This accident comes after another fatal fall at the park. In 2020, a 21-year-old construction worker died after falling more than 50 feet while conducting a safety check on a different ride. This morning, questions about how last night's deadly accident could have happened. Mm. Uh, am I tripping or in the beginning of that video was they saying that the seatbelt wasn't clipped? Yes, oh. that is what that's, that's, that's awesome. Uh, it's, it's, this is tragic. I don't like rides. I don't, I don't either. I, I'm, I'm a person who is so scary when it comes to theme parks. Like, I remember Rodney, like, forcing me to get on stuff. That's really the only way I'll get on, like, roller coasters and things like that. Like, I just, I'm too scary. I like to hold the bag and sit right here and eat my churros and popcorn and stuff. Like, I don't really want to get on the rides. But, you know, uh, this young man, he did not want to get on the ride. He actually tried to get on two other rides. Uh, he wanted to get on the swings, but they told him that he was too big. And there was another ride that he wanted to get on. And they said that he was too uh, that he was too big. And then so he ended up getting on this last. And there was an issue with the seatbelt clearly that we see right before, and nobody said anything. So. 
That's not cool, man. That's not cool. A lot of times, too, man, the people that be operating these rides, like, that's, by and large, a teenage job. (laughs) You go to the theme park and the people out there actually clicking seatbelts and checking those things, man, then be kids. These be summer jobs. That's a lot of responsibility for somebody that's not getting paid to have lives in their heads. Like, yo, man, you can't have that video surface with them talking about the seatbelts and then somebody dies. Like, that's a problem. Somebody's going to have to answer for that. It's, I mean, and again, this is still an accident. I mean, he's a 14-year-old kid who was on spring break who went to a theme park in Orlando with his family. Obviously, you just have no idea that you're going to lose your life on one of these rides. You assume that all of the safety measures are in place and that the ride workers are doing their job. Um, But this is just absolutely tragic. I just cannot imagine how scared he was falling out of that. Like, whoo. Oh, it just breaks my heart. And so the, his family has hired uh, high-profile attorneys. They have been on the case. Um, and DNZ family, the popular TikTokers and YouTube family, are going to cover the cost of the funeral. Um, I think we have an overlay for that. We could throw that up really quickly. Uh, but yeah, DNZ family, they're TikTok stars, and they were in attendance at the theme park that day. And so they're in conversations with the attorneys um, to um, cover the costs of the funeral expense, and they're re- and they're using their platform to have other people reach out to the family and support in any way possible. So this is community coming together. In this. Super cool to see the community come together. Hopefully, there's something done to make that ride safe. Yep, yep, yep. Well, look say, we know people people still gonna ride. All right, y'all. Well, let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we are going right in smack into our clapback to talk about none only than the slap heard across the world with Will Smith and Chris Rock. We'll be back. When the pandemic hit, it did affect me. As a barber, I had my own personal reasons why I didn't get vaccinated. At the time, I didn't check the actual source. I thought the vaccine was developed too fast, but I was talking to the doctor, and he was telling me more about the vaccine and what it could do to protect us and our family. I wanted to get back to that once was, right? I do feel safe knowing that I am vaccinated. I just hope what I'm saying is reaching into people's heads to know that this is the best decision for all of us. All right, y'all. Welcome back. Welcome back. I know that you guys have seen this all over your timelines, having conversations in your group chats, you know, with your colleagues. This is just one of those situations that's just we cannot not talk about. So we have a clip. We're going to play. Oh, actually, before we do that. Actually, we're, you know, let's play the clip and then we'll come back and we will unpack everything. This clip is going to talk about Chris Rock finally speaking out following Will Smith slapping the shit out of him at the Oscars. Let's go. With paparazzi monitoring his every move, Chris Rock addressed the sold out theater in Boston. I'm still kind of processing what happened at some point. We literally cheered for like 
20 minutes. <laughs> oh, wow! That awful moment seemingly good for business. More tickets sold for his show overnight than there were in the entire month previous. Comedy clubs around the country making their feelings clear. Criticism of the Oscars mounting, even from its hosts. In a now-deleted post, Amy Schumer praised Chris Rock and said she's still triggered and traumatised. For them to let him stay in that room and enjoy the rest of the show and accept his award, I was like, how gross is this? The Academy's Board of Governors meeting today, releasing a statement apologising to Chris Rock and saying Mr Smith was asked to leave the ceremony and refused. We also recognise we could have handled the situation differently. Man, where y'all want to go with this? That's what I want to know. Let's get some comments, because we could go anywhere. Because uh, first of all, Amy Schumer, this ain't about you. Well, we don't, we're not going to center the white woman in this discussion at all. Uh, I'm also not mad at Will Smith, man. Look, it was a calculated decision, man. Was it the right decision? Probably not, but he did what he had to do. Will Smith showed how easy it eh. Look, man, there's so many layers to this. Let, let's just start with Will Smith's headspace and where Will Smith was. We got to go all the way back. When Will Smith first came out as a rapper, while the West Coast was doing the gangster rap, Will Smith was over here rapping about how parents just don't understand. And it made him kind of cheesy, man. And people called him soft. And then if you flash forward, you know, he's dating Jada and everybody knows about her relationship with Tupac. And then we get those comparisons and then boom, then again, Will Smith is soft. And then we get the whole situation with the Red Table Talks and Jada talks about how she had an entanglement with August Alcina. And then Will Smith literally becomes a meme because he's sitting at the Red Table and he's crying as his wife talks about sleeping with another man. And then again, we arrive at the place of Will Smith being soft. Then in 2016, Will Smith does the movie Concussion where he used a horrible, horrible, horrible accent. Like, Concussion was a terrible movie. I really don't understand why he expected to win an Oscar for Concussion. <laughs> it was awful. But he didn't show up to the Oscars because he didn't get the nomination. Jada also didn't show up. And then Chris Rock cracks the joke about uh, how can Jada boycott the Oscars when she wasn't invited in the first place. And again, somebody's cracking on this woman. Now he looks soft. So in this moment right here, it's all of this stuff that's built up. It's this whole image that Will Smith has had. And now you're right here in this moment. You're sitting in the front row. Everybody knows that Will Smith and Chris Rock are actually homies. You probably let them know, like, bruh, don't do none of that funny stuff tonight. And what happens? The comedian tells a joke. Comedians have to be allowed to tell jokes, man. I, I definitely think Will Smith took this too far. I understand she has alopecia, but you are sitting in the front row and the comedian has a microphone. Comedians are going to tell jokes. You can't always just get up there and slap them. And shout out to Chris Rock for handling like that, man, because you also got to remember, Will Smith is at the Oscars as a nominee. Chris Rock is at the Oscars as a presenter, which means Will Smith is at the Oscars as an audience member and Chris Rock is at work. 
You can't pop off at work. No matter what Chris Rock would have done in response, that would have reflected his future employment. He's at work, so he did what he had to do. But I, I think the whole thing is honestly blown all the way out of proportion. I think the Oscars themselves have to take some level of responsibility. I mean, they chose to have this lounge style seating arrangement. Had they have just had regular theater seats, I don't think he would have got up and stepped over 20 people to get to the middle aisle to then go to the stage. But because he's sitting at a lounge with a direct shot at the stage, he just hops up and the next thing we know, Chris Rock is getting smacked. Also, what's up with the Oscars thinking that they're too highfalutin to need security? Y'all got security at the stage. The Grammys got security at their stage. Everywhere else you go, you're not about to just walk on stage and smack somebody, but the Oscars, they're so sacred, they think can't nobody get smacked. Yeah, right. <laughs> Cuddy, Cuddy, man, can we get some comments? Throw some comments on, man. What, what y'all talking about out there, man? How y'all feel? Yeah, so <laughs> listen, I agree with you, Mike, that this definitely was taken too far. But let's let's break this down a little bit, right? Will, Will, Will and Jada Smith, have been through a tumultuous time, I think, in the last two years, especially um, when we think about Jada having um, an affair or a relationship with August Alsina and then having to defend that relationship or entanglement, rather, um, in front of the eyes of America at Red Table Talk. Uh, we watched Will Smith defend his wife in that moment and say, you know what, despite her transgressions and despite the fact that she had this relationship or entanglement with uh, August Alsina, I stand by her, I love her, and we plan to work on our relationship. And so when I wanna, I wanna unpack this a little bit because I feel like that's important when we talk about relationships. Once Will Smith decided to stay with his wife following her infidelity, he got berated online that people felt like he was soft when really he made a decision to stand and choose love. Now, what we do know about relationships is that when you do go through your trials and tribulations, your conversations thereafter are heightened, right? And so the way that he loves his wife, the way that she loves her husband, there has to be some online, offline conversations that they're having with each other in order to trigger him in that capacity. So now let's talk about the night in question. They're at the Oscars. Before he even stepped into the Oscars, if you go to Will Smith's social media, he said in his social media that him and Jada were choosing chaos for the night and they were real hyped up. They were, you could just tell their chemistry and everything was on the one. And, and I would argue that they had a couple drinks and maybe a little something else, right? They're sitting at the Oscars. Chris Rock says his joke. The joke wasn't funny. Let's just, I mean, it wasn't funny even if she didn't have alopecia. Yeah. But the fact that she does have alopecia, and if you notice, Jada's whole entire body just transitioned. Will and Jada must have had conversations where Jada felt like Will was not stepping in to defend her. And that is what triggered him to hop up on that stage and slap the dog shit out of Chris Rock. Now, let's also add in that Chris Rock was talking cash junk about Jada 
at the Oscars before saying that she wasn't even invited and why would she make criticisms about boycotting the Oscars? All of this taken into account now, I'm not giving Will Smith a pass whatsoever to choose violence. But what I am saying is if we are going to have conversations about protecting black women, he absolutely did the right thing in stepping up and taking care of his wife. Had this happened at an after party and it wasn't televised on national TV, I would have been all over it. But the fact that he did this on a international stage for people all around the world to see and judge it, even though black people are not a monolith, this is the worst decision that he could have made in his career by far. Initially, I didn't have those feelings, but now I'm absolutely just like crushed by this. I'm hurt for Will Smith. I'm hurt for Chris, Chris Rock. I'm hurt for all of the black people that were honored and recognized at the Oscars that we're not even having conversations about. Like we, we lost so much in that moment because that slap overshadowed every single thing. And it just ghettofied the whole situation. And it makes it look like the first time we had all of this beautiful black boy and black girl magic at the Oscars and the whole night, you know, we had Will Packer, you know, kind of being like this premier person putting it together. And it's just like, you get this feeling like, see, this is what happens when you let black people finally have some shit, you know what I'm saying? And so that wow. is how I felt. And I'm very disappointed in Will. Um, in terms of being triggered so deeply because it was an overreaction. Like he super overreacted. He should have, he could have said, don't talk about my MF and wife, period. Like he could have said that and not got up and, and physically assaulted Chris Rock. But because he got up there and did that, it was like, whoa, you took that like way too far. You know what I'm saying? It was just- You're so right. You're so right. And it, it makes me upset to be honest, that we have to be in this place as black people because white people can do whatever they want and it's always individual. It's never like, yo, we ain't never sat here and said, this reflects bad on the white community. Nah, it's never that because white folks are never relegated to just being a quote unquote community. I don't even like the phrase, the black community, because what does that even mean? Nobody else has that. You know what I'm saying? It's just us. So when you look at the fact that how many years before this, was it always hashtag Oscars so white? It had been Oscars so white for so long. And then this year we get the black producers and we get the black man that's about to win uh, best actor. And it's bigger than that because the movie he portrayed Venus and Serena Williams' father, and they're in the audience. And it's just so hard. Like, why does it always have to be like this for Venus and Serena? The last, the last time this movie got an award, you had that white lady get up there and say that other weird stuff that she said. This time, that movie is getting an award, and Will Smith decides to go smack Chris Rock. It's like they keep getting overshadowed in all of this. And on this night, this magnificent night where you got all of this blackness, everything that you just mentioned, he had to go do this in this time. And even though it's not fair to say uh, you let black folks run the Oscars and this is what happens, unfortunately, that's just the narrative because that's the society that we live in. And we as black people don't have the power to control that narrative. So you see Judd Apatow tweet saying that 
He could have killed him, which is like the most ridiculous thing that I've ever heard. Yet that's what he said. That's how he feels. And you got Amy Schumer making her comments. And you got all these other white folks in Hollywood acting about talking about how appalled they are. And you got folks acting like they should take Will's Oscar away, even though we could go down the list of problematic white folks that have Oscars, including the white dude that had sex with an underage girl and then fled the country. And he still won an Oscar and he still got to keep it. So like taking this Oscar away is ridiculous. But when you have black folks, the conversation just booms when really, we should be sitting here laughing, man. Like we should be able to see the comedy in this and see the funny, but because of where we are as a society, now we gotta sit here and reflect and make this all serious. Uh, so let's take a look at Will Smith's apology. Let's go ahead and throw that up. So Will Smith released an apology to Chris Rock following this. Um, I hope, Cody, do you have it? He said, violence in all of its forms is poisonous and destructive. My behavior at last night's Academy was unacceptable and inexcusable. Jokes at, jokes at my expense are a part of the job, but a joke about Jada's medical condition was too much for me to bear and I reacted emotionally. I would like to publicly apologize to you, Chris. I was out of line and I was wrong. I'm embarrassed and my actions were not indicative of the man I want to be. There is no place for violence in a world of love and kindness. If we can just get the next one. Uh, nope, Will's, the next Will one. Hopefully I sent that to you. Okay. Yeah, that is hilarious. Well, and then, so let's go ahead and put up, I mean, since we have it, this is uh, what Jada posted on her Instagram. She said, this is a season for healing and I'm here for it. Listen, I honestly don't, I feel like the more I've sat in this, the more like I understand this narrative of people being disappointed, right? And I and I just can't say that I'm not disappointed, but I'm also the person who like gets in a fight or an argument and I wake up disappointed in myself, which is why I have so much empathy for Will because I understand that he's like, why the heck did I do that? He has so much to lose and so much on the line and he's had almost a blemish-free career for all of the time that he's been in show business. And to make this huge mistake on a international platform on the, I mean, no one's ever gonna remember that you won your Oscar. They're just gonna remember that the year you won your Oscars, you also slapped somebody on stage and not even just somebody, like you slapped Chris Rock. Like Chris Rock is a cool guy and you guys are friends offline. Now, had you wanted to step to Chris and you felt like, listen, my wife got a medical condition and you gonna have to keep her name out your mouth, then have that conversation offline as two men, you know what I'm saying? And, and kick the bubble with him like that. But to slap him or to physically put your hands on him, I think it just was too much in terms of risking your career and your reputation. And he knows that, you know what I'm saying? And so I honestly think that the apology is remorseful. I, do, I don't believe that this whole idea and notion of like my wife's medical condition, I don't know. I don't know if I believe that, but I know that love will make you do crazy things. And I think- I, I think- I Can we put that comment up by Arlo? Is that the one? <laughs> uh, this, this blew my mind too though, because Alec Baldwin tried to jump out here with a tweet as if he was outraged by the slap. As if, like, yo, bro, you just killed somebody, fam. 
Bruh, you, you, you killed somebody, a whole person. And you were the executive producer of that movie shoot. Yes. And you guys decided not to have the safety inspector because you were being cheap as hell. Alec Baldwin, I'm going to need you to go sit back with your super young wife that you keep having all these kids with. And you guys just sit back and mind your business and let us talk about what's going on. And that's also why I would why I'm saying this should have never happened in front of in front of company. You know what I'm saying? That's it. It just should have never happened in company. Had this happened at an Oscar's Oscar after party and we heard about it, people fight after parties all the time. That's what he should have been. That's what he should have done. You should have. You should have. You guys should have shot the fair one after the party. You should never have diminished your platform. Let me tell you something. Never let your enemy see you sweat. Don't let nobody make you come out your skin like that. Whatever. And that's why I'm like, I I feel like Will was probably off a good one that night. I mean, his adrenaline was pumping. He saw his wife feeling some type of way. I mean, he. he I think that's what he was, though, to be real, because when you see the clip at first, he's laughing. And, and just because he's laughing doesn't mean that he thought it was funny. We've all no. seen uncomfortable laughter. If you go back and look at that clip um, of Venus Williams when that white lady sent that stuff at the other award show, like, was it Venus or Serena? One of them laughed, but it was a really, really awkward laugh. So I'm not, I'm not condemning him for laughing, but he looked over at Jada and seen her reaction. The next thing he knew, he was slapping somebody. And the crazy thing, too, is that, man, look, I'm not opposed to putting your your hands on somebody over your wife. I'm just opposed to doing it on stage in front of the cameras at the Oscars, man. I think you're absolutely right, man. They could have they shot the fairway. There was so many different places. And also, what's up with the Oscars putting out that ridiculous statement? I do not believe that they asked him to leave and he refused. If somebody asks you to leave, there is no refusing. That, that ask is accompanied by security guards. Also, if you ask somebody to leave, why do they still get to stay there and receive their award and then go to the official Oscars after party and at that after party, you play their music while they dance with their Oscar? Yeah, right, man. Stop trying to cover your tracks. You let that man stay. He slapped somebody and y'all did nothing. That's what really happened. That is precisely what happened. I mean, can you imagine them putting out the main event of their show? I mean, and that's they, why they let them stay. They couldn't. They, what would they have done with the award? <laughs> there, it would. It, I mean, the whole show was tied up around Will Smith. He knew that. Yes. He knew he was getting the Oscar before he even got there. I mean, that is, and that's what I'm saying. That's why he was off a good one that day. First of all, can we also just say that Jada was looking absolutely stunning and beautiful. And when I saw it, you know, my friends and I were in the group chat and we were talking about how bad she looked like she is looking so good. I did not know that Jada was suffering from alopecia. I didn't either. And I didn't either. She pulled it off so well. You, I had no idea. Good. You're looking good, sis. So I get it. At the end of the day, Chris Rock issued a joke, not a threat. Right. And so we can we could talk to our ass catch on fire. He didn't threaten his wife. So it's not an issue of protecting his wife. He's on stage. He's a comedian. He was talking trash about everybody. Was did the joke? Was it was it a bad joke? Absolutely. Was it a threat? No, it wasn't. Did Will Smith overreact? Absolutely. And so 
Unfortunately. Way over Chris Rock might not have even wrote that joke. Like, let's be real. Like, this is the Oscars. There's a team of writers. That's yes. the reason why a lot of comedians come to the Oscars and they're kind of corny because all the jokes have to get approved. And there's other people that write them. When he gets yeah. on stage, he's not just shooting it. He's looking at a teleprompter. Like, that joke was there. Somebody okayed it. He yeah. read it. And it didn't go over well. Uh, I mean, I, I, I do feel bad for Will Smith. I'm going to be honest. I, I feel like... I feel bad for all of them. All I do. Jada included, too, though, because somebody wrote a joke at her expense, and not included. And and guess what? They didn't know she had alopecia when they wrote that. Like, honestly, like, let's be, they're not going to do that. I mean, but I still stand with this idea that we do need to protect black women. I am not for the disrespect. And, it, and, and to be and to be quite fair, everybody else's joke, Denzel and everybody else had nothing to do with their physical appearance. Jada's joke was the only one that had something to do about her physical appearance. And let me tell you something. Please don't talk about a black woman's hair. Just that should just be off the table first and foremost. Like that, whoever wrote that joke should like it has no cultural competency whatsoever. That should not have happened whatsoever. And so I understand that the level of disrespect was there. Chris Rock should have filtered that joke out, knowing that you do not talk or discuss a black woman's hair, especially. <clears throat> that ain't your wife, okay? And you doing it in front of company on a national platform like it's inexcusable. Um, but it also does not warrant him to be physically assaulted, right? Now, if Will Smith and him needed to have a conversation offline, I get that. You know what I'm saying? I understand that, and I respect that most importantly. And so, I'm, what I'm saying is, Will Smith should have had the reaction after the show and not during that, and really just. Overshadowed. Uh, comedians, comedians got to be able to tell jokes, man. I, I get what people are saying. I understand. But at the end of the day, comedians have to tell jokes. I think the only standard that we need to hold comedians to is, was it funny? And no, that joke from Chris Rock was not funny at all. But I will always defend a comedian's right to tell jokes. Man. And if you don't like it, feel free to say something. Uh, you want to check them outside when it's over, do so, but going on stage and slapping the comedian is not cool. And anybody out here that's ever watched an award show knows, like, this is the time. This is what happens, man. Uh, Ricky Gervais, is that how you say his name? Man, this fool, man, he flames celebrities whenever he hosts anything. Like, that's what he's known for. So being a celebrity and going here, like, this is the time when y'all get to get made fun of. You're always on your high horse. You come to these shows. We're celebrating you. The MC is going to make fun of you. You, you can't go slap him for it. Facts. Don't sit it. Don't sit in the front row at a comedy show. Well, look, that's our show tonight, y'all. You know, we had to add and weigh in on this conversation. There just was no way we weren't going to. But we will be back next week to talk about more topics. Make sure you pull up and send those. Mike Davis, you're in the studio today. But when you are not there, where can they find you? Man, South Seattle Emerald, wherever the South Seattle Emerald is, you will find me. I am also on the morning update shows Wednesday morning. And tomorrow I will be on KUOW Weekend Review. So check me out there too. All right, y'all. Well, I'm your host, Jules Jesse. You guys can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Treasure of J U L E S. 
please pull up and follow me so I can follow you back and we can have some conversations. Send us show leaks. We want to know more. We want to know what you want to talk about for next week. Until next time, it's been real. We love y'all. Peace. Media produces culturally relevant content for Black and urban audiences. Our coverage is raw, transparent, and objective, praised by community leaders, government officials, and residents. Support Converge Media today via Venmo, Cash App, or PayPal at Converge Media.